Hello friends, this is Nathan Powell. I co-host a brand new podcast called Dynasty Double Take with Dan Sanyo. We join the DLF family of podcasts with unique Dynasty arguments in a short 10-12 to minute format. Dan and I love to debate Dynasty and we hope you enjoy our banter as we discuss topics like trade offers, coaching, draft capital, and much, much more. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. You got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road. Hello and welcome back to the chicken Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. We are, in fact, a member of the DLF family of podcasts. My co-host, Jake Anderson, at JakeAndersonFF on Twitter, is still missing in action. We've got search teams out for him. Someone's looking in uh, Toys R Us. We've got another team out there looking uh, to see if anyone from Toys for Tots kidnapped him. Because the last time he spoke to me, it was something about a kid or a family, uh, something of that nature. So we're looking in all the usual places. But I am fortunate enough to be joined by none other than uh, Zach Reed from the Dynasty Dummies podcast. You can find him at Tacit Assassin. 22? 13. Close. Uh, We're within nine. I was close. (laughs) Yeah, right. Right. Numbers. Who cares? Um, Tacit Assassin 13 on Twitter um, or on the Dynasty Doug. Dummies podcast, um, which is one of the few podcasts I definitely make sure I get to every week. They've got a whole bunch of different podcasts going on on their on their stream. What is it called on their channel these days? So it's uh, hard to keep up with everything going on there. But Jay Mike, who was on here last week, um, has also got a show on the Dynasty Dummies channel as well. And uh, this week is Zach to keep me in line and hopefully provide a tape perspective for once in a while um, to make up for Jake. So how you doing, Zach? Thanks for coming on. Uh, what's no. new? No, not not too much. I'm not doing too bad. I want you to know that I, uh, I, I had a mushroom and arugula pizza to kind of uh, be a reasonable facsimile of Jake. I've, I've seen him go plant-based, and so I'm trying to get in that frame of mind to try to fill those shoes. Yeah, right. He's gone plant-based. Not that I'd know. I haven't seen or no <laughs> hair of him for months, but someone mentioned that he's uh, now gone plant-based, which I think is is millennial for, like, vegetarian, right? <laughs> that's that's the new term for it. Jake's known for being a bit of a millennial. If anything, if Jake's anything, let's face it, he's, he's very much millennial. I, as usual, I don't have a great subject for tonight, but I was... Uh, in what I thought was an interesting conversation with someone I was helping manage the team with the other day, talking about keepers in a keeper league, and it struck me that um, we've not seen many, you know, dynasty ADP breaking running backs turn out this year because everyone that I could mention from his team, um, it was a wide receiver, tight end, or a quarterback that was a decent keeper, you know, theory wise. In terms of how many rounds they jumped from where we drafted them, or they would be drafted next year speculative ADP kind of stuff and um, it struck me that I wanted to name running backs as the best keepers and I couldn't really think of any that increased in value now obviously there's some great ones like Dalvin Cook 
Um, we drafted him in the second round. He's easily a first-round pick next year. I, I think that's pretty set. But, like, that's good, but it's not the ADP breaker I was imagining, or at least I have in my head, as the running back that comes on late in the season to be David Johnson or be Marco Murray or to be... Um, uh, last year we didn't have any. It was just James White jumping into the top twelve, but um, we we do have like the Kareem Hunts of the world, and I couldn't think of any. Um, and so when I asked him, the only person he could name, like, if we had added someone that we had, like anyone in the league, who would you add that you would most like to keep as your keeper for those for those reasons? This big jump in ADP at running back, and the guy he came up with was like Kareem Hunt. Which is good. He's definitely <laughs> undervalued, but I think we also saw that one kind of coming a little bit. Where lots of us, Jake, Jake Anderson especially, was on the you know don't give up Kareem Hunt for less than a first train, and his value definitely dropped below that. So, am I wrong here? Are you about to tell me all of the ADP dynasty ADP breakers have broken out at running back that I've missed? Or no, I I, th- I think you're right, and I think probably the closest two to that that I can come up with, and, and I guess it depends on where people were drafting Nick Chubb at the beginning of the year, but I think he's kind of, you know, bumped up. And and Josh Jacobs is the other one that, that off the top of my head, because he was a rookie, probably his ADP was pushed down just a little bit. And he's, uh, aside from the injury this past week, has been very, very effective on the ground not so much through the air so he may be a, a an adp jump but but looking down through it there, there really isn't and i i don't know i don't i don't know if it's just kind of the malaise that we're in with the the running backs and the fact that we had uh three classes in a row before this that were very very good and then this class that we looked at uh, in in 2019 wasn't. I mean, there was there was a real uh, gap between where we were valuing the top three backs. So your Josh Jacobs, your David Montgomery, and, and your Miles Sanders. There was a real significant, at least from from where I was looking at film, talent gap between them and the two classes prior uh, and also the the class coming in in 2020 I mean they're just the the talent of running backs was not in this 2019 class and might be the rookies I mean uh, this this off season I wrote an article about um you know ADP trends I dug back through DLS ADP um, although I know people are starting to like making a fictional ADP now as if they can make their points stronger by by just choosing the better number instead of a more consistent source, but whatever. You, you're not, not buying I'm not, AJ no, Brown not, in the fourth not round? Right now, man. Not right now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't handle that right there. Maybe later. But, um, and what I found was last year was like unprecedented in all of DLS ADP since 2013. And frankly, you know, any source I could find that before that is pretty unusual where all but one top 12 running back last year was drafted inside the top 12. Like, that's mm. why running back felt so good last year. And I kept pointing out we didn't have that many more great or over 300-point running backs. It was not strong. Running backs weren't back. We hadn't had a renovation. It was just that we were remarkably accurate with our top 12. And so it felt great if you drafted high on running back. And that's what happened. And like, on average, since 2013, three running backs drafted outside the top 24 finished inside the top 12. Last year, one. And like I say, all and the other eleven were all drafted inside the top twelve, and that's just 
basically unheard of. You can you shouldn't expect that to happen again. And it didn't this year. Like three running backs, exactly. That's just a coincidence because that was just an average. <laughs> and Chris Carson, Mark Ingram, and Austin Eckler are all right now inside the top 12 and were drafted outside the top 24. So we went back to the more average, typical um, pattern that we should expect to see. And in fact, like uh, three or four here, Derek Henry, um, Aaron Jones, who I know is only up there because of a few big games, but still... Um, and even Leonard Fournette were drafted outside the top 12 and finished inside the top 12, which is more typical. And like you were saying about Nick Chubb, we draft those guys in the fourth or fifth rounds because we know they have the upside to go up. Right. Like, this is more typical, and that's why running back feels down this year. It's because it was unprecedentedly in the Knicks, and, like, it would be unreasonable to expect us to ever produce the kind of accuracy we had last year with our ADP. And that's not ranks. That's not individuals getting it right, although lots did, obviously, but... That's as a community, we just happen to have it right. And like, and it might be the rookies, because like you said about last year, um, we were remarkably high on rookies. Like, um, uh, you know, it was, what's his name? What's, what's the fella's name who's now not generational? Saquon, Saquon. Barkley, right? Yeah, we almost <laughs> forget his name at this point. That's a joke, but still. Am I right, or is that just this malaise of going back to normal? Well, and, and I'm not a... So my dynasty philosophy generally is... Uh, to eschew running backs um, once they're on my team, once they've got production, it's kind of it's it was the exact same thing that you and J Mike were talking, uh, and and especially J Mike where he was talking about um, you know getting rid of these running backs before they start on the downhill cant. So. You know, you you uh, reap the rewards, you reap the benefits of having the 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 high end running back, but there's such a short shelf life. I mean, the problem I think with keeping running backs and expecting running backs to continue to produce is you end up falling into the you know the the David Johnson, Todd Gurley, even this uh, Damian Williams trap from last year, mm-hmm. if you were talking about the, the ADP breakers from last year, Damian Williams was undrafted and then was going in third round of startups this year. And now where is he? And and so that's the, I think that's the, the trap with running backs is it's so uh, ephemeral and so replaceable that, you know, one injury, one one guy gets nicked up. It, it was that was that was how Kareem Hunt became a thing. You know, Spencer Ware was the running back in Kansas City, and when when I watched Kareem Hunt in college, I liked Kareem Hunt's film. He went to Kansas City, and I said, okay, I'm drafting him at the end of the first, beginning of the second round in rookie drafts because there is a chance that he can get on the field as a receiver if there's an injury. I mean, I don't have a crystal ball. I, I I can't see the future. I'm not the amazing Karnak, and and so what the I hell, know Zach? Th- I need I, I need a crystal I, ball guy today. Come I on, know. Bring it, it, bring uh, well, that's 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 the <laughs> other guy on our show. He he knows. He sees the future. He's got the numbers, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but that was you know the injury to Spencer Ware all of a sudden brought you Kareem Hunt. There were people counting on Spencer Ware. But he got hurt, and all of a sudden, the next man up stepped up. And, and it's so much uh, more true with running backs than it is with, with wide receivers. And, and I think you see that where if a wide receiver gets hurt, 
and you talk a, a lot about this, where the targets don't just go to the next player. The targets are right. earned by, uh, you know, the, the better players across that receiving core, and they get spread. I think you're going to get more accurate more times if you think about it that way. Like exactly. The, and, obviously, and what all... works in numbers isn't, like, what's real, but the trend is there for whatever reasons underlie it. Sorry, yeah, keep going. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm with you 100% on that, and the, it's... It, to me, and when we've had this conversation, but for me, the numbers, the metrics, I really, uh, I, I rely heavily on uh, people like yourself who who do uh, the the numbers, run the numbers, have the numbers, you know, can can give me a way to mitigate failure because that's what to me the numbers do is is they don't tell you what's going to happen, but they tell you what's most likely to happen. And so then you can take that, and if you if you play that safe more often, then eventually uh, you you're going to win because you'll have made the right decision more often than you make the wrong one. With running backs, you see more often guys come in and get the workload of the back that was in front of them. Take C.J. Anderson last year with, with Gurley. Uh, you saw the same thing with, with Tim Hightower a few years ago in New Orleans where he came in and was great. I think you're going to see the same thing with Raheem Mostart uh, the next couple weeks. He could end up a top 24 running back. If, if, he has, if he has three weeks where he puts up 15 to 25 points uh, in a PPR league, Raheem Mostert is going to be a top 24 running back because he's only, I don't know, 20 points out of it right now. No, um, and that's fair. And I was just thinking, like, um, maybe we should do wide receiver. Two two episodes in a row with me talking about running backs probably isn't it. You know, it's it's not the source. But um, it, it just was interesting to me. Like, all the league breakers I can think of, specifically this year, were it's Mark Andrews and Darren Waller. It's Cortland Sutton, DJ Moore, who you all should have known about, along with uh, Kristen Kirk is, you know, it's, it's A.J. Brown. He's going to break ADP. It's um, even Terry McClellan, who I absolutely did not get, or DJ Chark. It's it's Lamar Jackson. It's um, everyone but running backs. And <laughs> normally we get, like, one. Um, but just to some of your point, like, getting out early, something I did notice looking at it through this prism, digging back through the ADP, all of those guys who finished in the top 12 or could have broken ADP, all of them fail. Like, that's true yeah. with all running backs eventually. That's a little unfair. But every name I just mentioned. Now, Kareem Hunt was a very particular situation. But, like, fading them includes those. And that tends, seems to revolve around running back a lot more often than it does wide receiver. Not that I'm going to put a number on it. But then you've got Jordan Howard, who did great. And was doing really well this year. But he's definitely not, you know, if you'd held on to him from there to there. And his value's gone up and down, so he probably didn't. But um, it still wouldn't have worked out. Um, who, who else did I mention who was one of those league breakers? Cream Hunt. It was DeMarco Murray the very next year failed. He's another one who did it after being drafted outside the top 24 for that year. Like, they, specifically these ones. And so the names that I was just men- noticing when you were talking was, like, Derek Henry. Like, he would be the argument against this. That's, there's an AD pre-break. That's an all-season top 12 running back. He's actually third right now. Like, I did not see that coming, cause especially at this point in his career. Like, he's in year four. Like, after year three, I think I've seen the best of what a running back's going to do generally. And as, as we, like I said, we were talking about with J-Mike last week, you want to get out before that. Derek Henry is a proof that that's not always true. And like you said, with numbers, it's, it's a trend. You don't, you don't, it's not going to tell you when to ignore it all the time. 
So if you ignored it with Derek Henry, like you seriously won. Like good job. Um, and the guy's a monster. He's been a monster this year. But now he's in that category of breakout running back in the top 12. He's drafted top 20 according to DLF ADP. But do we now think he fails on that next year? Because most do. We can move to wide receiver a little bit. But like, I was wondering what you were thinking about that. Yeah, no, I, I think that I think that part of the part of the reason why you see running backs that break into the top 12 that. F- fail uh, is because it's so tough to get into the top 12 right in the right. amount of the amount of volume needed to get into the top 12 is incredible and so you you couple the fact that they have to have a great season plus they have to have this uh, insane amount of volume that's going to take its toll on any running back I mean that's the DeMarco Murray DeMarco Murray had it was something like 400 touches right, right. the year before he fell off he switched offenses. He ended up in uh, an offense where they were running a lot more. I think Chip Kelly was running a lot more out of shotgun. And, and DeMarco Murray was not a very good uh, runner out of the shotgun traditionally. And, and it was kind of the opposite thing with with, um, with Carlos Hyde. You know, he had a year where he was great because they, they didn't, you know, they were going out of the shotgun and all of a sudden... Carlos Hyde is a fantastic runner that way traditionally, and so you know there are always going to be it's it's going to be multifactorial because there there are just so many variables. But the big one to me is you have to be incredibly efficient, you have to be incredibly good, and you have to get so much volume that it takes its toll on a running back that comes into the top twelve, and so. Look, is Derrick Henry going to be a guy who can who can carry the ball 350, 400 times every year? Maybe, but there aren't very many guys who do that and and stay healthy and and you know continue to to produce like that. Uh, he is built and, like a damn giant. I mean, he is. Uh, given that, <laughs> and he's really yeah. good. Obviously, he's really good. No, and if anybody if anybody's going to do it, it, it's it's him. But the, I mean, then you take and you look at somebody like Christian McCaffrey. Who's getting more touches mm-hmm. than he than Derrick Henry, and and is is he sustainable? Is, you know, are any of these guys? Is Ezekiel Elliott? I mean, you look at his downturn. Uh, I was going to mention know, him this this year. You know, is that sustainable? There are all of these players because running back uh, falls off so fast, and and I you know I heard J Mike reference. I'd done a little bit of work with running backs and looking at. Uh, the top 10 and if you look back and it was it was just six years ago and there's nobody left I mean it's LaShawn McCoy and nobody right you know and and so the the churn you know how quickly running backs uh, come in burn bright and then go away because of the physical nature because of the the number of carries because every time you're tackled it's the equivalent of a 35 40 mile an hour car crash and you you can't sustain that for a length of time. And Sean McCoy is one of those rare breeds who's had two back-to-back years in the top five. I was just thinking yeah. that with Elliot. Like, he's going to finish top five. Broad view to a stupid statistician in the offseason is going to be like, oh, Elliot pays off every year. But, like, <laughs> in season, we know that feels a little different. Like, um, we have seen downtown here a little bit. So, yeah, I just think it's interesting that I don't... I actually think the position's reverted more back to normal with Christian McCaffrey being, you know... Just something completely different, which is why I think he might be the one that we have right now that could be in a slightly different 
vein. He could be a Le'Veon Bell producers back to back, like uh, Elliot has, like um, uh, like uh, Le'Veon Bell did, like Shady McCoy did once. But even then, you know, you're not pushing it too far down the road. So I just I just thought it was an interesting way of looking at it. And speaking of all those breakouts at the other positions, do you, do you want to talk about this second round AJ Brown thing? Because it's been driving yeah. me nuts. <laughs> like three different people have put it on my timeline. They weren't putting it on my uh, Twitter's weird place. You put it out there, and I feel put, like it's personally against me, and it's obviously not. <laughs> and, and they're definitely, you know, they're not lying. This is what they saw in their drafts, and there's public ADP to support it. But there's a lot of problem with public ADP, and I think the only reason to justify it over something like DLF is this number agrees with me. And I get that, but, like, I seriously don't think anyone was, like, putting AJ Green in the second round like on purpose like, <laughs> like no like, like i i saw aj brown uh in super flex leagues that i played in go toward the back Maybe. end of the first so two, yeah. so 111 one time i got him say like i had last year had a really good season so i had some late and this is not to to toot my own horn because this year i'm doing a lot of rebuilding but last year i had some teams that were pretty good and so i was picking you know, 110, 111, I was getting A.J. Brown there because there were a lot of people scared off of A.J. Brown, but he was not, I didn't see him falling second round and even in super flex leagues and in in single quarterback leagues, you're talking 105, 106, 107, A.J. Brown is going every time. And I know this was a, a little bit, it got stuck in Jake's craw a little bit, but I had A.J. Brown as my wide receiver one. Like I had him as the best receiver in this class, the best receiver at Ole Miss by far, uh, and and so maybe I'm maybe I'm not the the source you want to ask because I'm a little biased toward AJ Brown. In any draft that I was in, he did not fall past my pick. I think I had him third or so. Like I dithered with him with DK Metcalf because uh, Jake really. Made a good case, and Jake's been right about it. He's uh, right. Yeah, oh, yeah. We've got a little bit of an OBJ and um, Landry situation, like a discount version at least. But um, <laughs> just had to throw that in there. Just had to do it, didn't you, Pete? But yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah I mean, they've both been good. And what I said about AJ Brown, like just before the season started, like it occurred to me, he's the guy I ended up staying up late at night worrying about as far as rookies went because. I was taking Harry over him, you know, the, throw the hate out, but I was taking Harry over him. And, and I, I was thinking about draft picks where it's getting towards the season, off-season, or the real season, as I like to think of it, um, closer and closer, <laughs> and more and more again. And I was like, we talk about these things sometimes. We're just a little bit misleading about having ranks. It's like we can still like A.J. Brown because I had him third. But at the end of the day, like, besides trading everything away for, you know, multiple first-round picks... You get one shot at minimum, maximum, really, in each round. So if I have Harry over AJ Brown, I'm wrong because that's definitely not worked out. And and I got excuses, but you know, um, and I'm still obviously holding on to Harry, and I, I have lots of hope for the future. Some hope for the future, at least. But like, I I missed on AJ Brown because I liked Harry better. Like I would have a lot of him if he was going in the second mm. round. Like the only guy. The guy I was conflicted over is sometimes it would be A.J. Brown and um, J.J. Sega-Whiteside. I'd go A.J. Brown because I clearly had him higher. But I was okay not trading up to get him as well if my pick was a little later. 
So either right. way, and that's what I said before the season started, he's falling in this range where I'm not searching for that pick, so I don't get it. And if I have a higher pick, I'm taking someone else who I like, who I liked more. So I was really worried about him hitting. But even that, like, I think some of AJ Brown's hype right now uh, is justified. Like, I'm really excited about the player for the future. But it's because there was this dithering over him, because there was DK Metcalf and Nikhil Harry. Um, so I'm worried. I, I, I haven't looked into him much of it in terms of uh, off-season evaluation yet, but I'm worried. Sometimes we have this tension relief, right? Like, we're worried, we're worried, where we get something, it's like, whoa, it's great. And I think it's happened with Debo Samuels right now. He's clearly a good player. We knew that coming in, but would he be top 12 wide receiver in the NFL? Good. And he's not that good. Um, I haven't seen that yet. Definitely valuable fantasy player Calvin Ridley is too, from last year, who everyone seems to have forgotten a little bit. Um, (laughs) Not everyone. But, like, I haven't seen anything to put him over Brown yet. Um, Harry's a different conversation. It's just it's just a thing right now. But And he was injured most of the year, uh, essentially. So, um, and I think there's a bit of a relief where there was a fi- almost a 50-50 on him, and you've ended up on the right side of the 50 so far. Like, you want to push him up so much higher. But then again, next year is their second year. That's the year I'm really looking at him. And yeah. this year's been better than I expected, but I think the rehype of this year's class was underrated. I spent all off season arguing it was overrated because people expected a lot more from these guys. I'm sorry, there was a lot more hype on these guys, and no one's saying now they were better than expected. It feels a little bit like covering our asses because I th- like I had arguments <laughs> over and over again this offseason. Last year's class was by far and away the best wide receiver class we've seen in five years, and they're all hitting this year. Ooh. And all I'm hearing about is how this year's class was better than expected. But like this offseason, I had to like toe the line of last year's <laughs> class is who you want. Do not trade this year's class for last year's class. And that's definitely right. You see what I'm getting at here. Like I think we might be having a bit of a overreaction to some of the pushback on this year's class. Yeah, and I, I, so I hate to agree with you so much, but, but I, I do. And I think that you said something... Uh, in there that really stuck out to me when you said second year, right? Because that that is really, I mean, you know, you go back to when uh, you know five or six or seven years ago, it was the third year breakout, and then you had the 2014 class, and everybody expected OBJ every class. Uh, but if you're looking at, so, you know, you talked about some of these guys who broke out this year. So you talk about Godwin, uh, you talk about Chark, you talk about Galladay, you talk about, uh, Calvin Ridley, you talk about Cortland Sutton, you talk about Tyler Lockett. These are all guys who are either second or third year players Mm -hmm. that you could see last year. The ADP was kind of in a spot where there was a, a, a place that they could really jump because all of these guys were in this big clump around 50 to 60 in ADP. And and Kyle and I actually did a show uh, on the dummies feed about that group of players. DJ Moore was another one. Like all of those players were right there in that same range. And we said, look, they're all cheap. If you were in a startup, trade back, get future assets, and get these players, and you're going to be further ahead than if you draft the wide receivers that are ahead of them that are older who are decent producers but not, you know, nothing uber productive. 
and it's it's playing out and i think you're going to see uh, a similar thing you just you mentioned christian kirk uh he i think he's poised again to be right there calvin ridley is undervalued right there this class next year uh toward the middle of next year you're going to see a really big uh kind of a separation between some of these guys maybe it's aj brown Maybe it's DK Metcalf. Maybe uh, maybe it's Nikhil Harry. I think that Nikhil Harry, with what he has showed, and I know that they didn't count it as a touchdown last week, right. but that that little bubble screen play was really what excited me about Nikhil Harry in college. Like he was not a great down the field uh, go up and get it guy. He didn't create much separation. That's a really tough play in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Down the field, because there are physical corners, there are bigger corners, there are safeties who come take your head off. But Nikhil Harry in that uh, Demarius Thomas bubble screen, let him use his legs and, and take it, you know, 20, 15, 20, 25 yards off that bubble screen. That is what Nikhil Harry does really well between the 20s. And that... I think they will eventually utilize once Edelman has run his course and you don't have a, a, a slot receiver, a traditional slot receiver. If you slide Nikhil Harry into the slot, all of a sudden you've got a big slot that Michael Thomas type. I'm not giving him credit for being Michael Thomas, but that, that big player who can use his, his size to make a matchup uh, issue for a, a slot corner can use his speed as a matchup issue if they decide to put a linebacker on him. And and between the 20s, use his legs post-catch, use his ability to gain yards after catch. You know, I think he's another one of these players that you've got to watch don't give up on yet uh, because it is it's almost a, it's almost like a two-and-a-half-year uh, breakout, uh, two-and-a-half years before I, I'm giving up. Because if you don't see that progression in the second year, then it's probably not going to happen. But but if you start to see that progression, you know, hang on, stay the course. Because if it starts to trend up in the beginning of the third year, you you've got something going. It feels sometimes. Um, I don't know if you think that there's a zig and zag protection week to week. And Josh Holmes and I has talked about this, and everyone who does week to week projections about how there's regression always. It's, it's a constant. Uh, search right. for what's going to regress when, essentially. Um, or it's not even regression, because uh, that would be returned to the mean, obviously. But like there is a zig and a zag to production. And I think a similar pattern is true for year to year. And it's sometimes the trend, at least, is about getting into the right rhythm. And I feel so at odds sometimes. Like Calvin Ridley last year did great. So I wanted to go up on him, but everyone pushed him higher than I was willing to go. <laughs> it's like... He did great. I mean, some of these players, the, those are the ones we think of, or that's a you know, loosely joking term these days of generational or elite. It's players that do it consistently, like in, improve continuously for over a longer period of time than one year, like they do it two, three years. The reason we think of them as so different is because that's really rare. It's not like they're yeah. not prone to zigging and zagging. I mean, look at OBJ, look at Mike Evans this year. It's just that, that there, and there is likely something different about them. And like the running backs we were talking about before, it's not that we can capture that every time, but it, but it does happen. And so it's about getting into the right rhythm. And so if these guys have overproduced this year, 
almost want to be underwhelmed a little bit last year or expect that. Like, you want them on your team, obviously, like we wanted Calvin Ridley last year. But you almost have to expect the same or less in terms of progression. More numbers because A.J. Brown will start over Corey Davis next year, for example. Maybe. <laughs> um, not maybe over, he will be over Corey Davis, but maybe he'll get uh, better numbers from a whole season rather than just, you know, earning his opportunity for most of this year. Um, but, like, I'm not going to push him into the top 12 ranks projections. Dynasty values, uh, different conversation because that's also about the crowd, but, like, getting into the right rhythm has always been... And then I can decide where I want to disagree with the trend. Like like I was saying, I think the numbers can get you to where most likely the trend is going to be broken as well, but I'm not going to pretend I can get you there uh, or I can do that consistently. Like, we're aiming for over 50%. Really, we're aiming for over 20% in terms of rookie hits, in terms right. of being accurate. So, um, and I also can't rank them. That's a big thing that I was starting to think about last offseason. I mentioned it the other week, and I seem to confuse everyone, but it's like there is no conceivable measure that could put Christian Kirk below A.J. Brown. And I was really honest about that this offseason, and that this is what I said the other week. I liked A.J. Brown just as much because it's not, it's not, what's the word, engineer? It's not. Um, it's not quantum. If you're, if you have twice the production, doesn't mean you're twice the player. It just means you showed yourself without question to be distinguished above your peers at that level in college, which is what we're looking for to try and identify players that stand out among other players, right? right. And this central market share, I think, can get us. So there was no conceivable way I could find, at least, and I'm by far the uh, nowhere near the expert on this. But that's with my limiting amateur understanding. That's what I can get to. I was very clear, can put him touch and go, but the numbers, he just produced more in his situation than A.J. Brown did compared to his compatriots, his teammates. But so it can't rank. It can't get you who's, Obe, who's Odell Beckham for the first three years and who's Jarvis Landry. Both great hits, but you wanted one over the other, right? I don't think rookie metrics right now can rank well, but it can show you who's to separate and then you can, it can get you the trend, and then you can decide where to differentiate, where to go, no, I like A.J. Brown better, like you did. Well, yeah. Christian Kirk wasn't the same. So, and that's kind of what I'm talking about with the zig and the zag. Like, if you kind of expect that pattern, then decide who's going to break it. That's that's where you can bring, not the art into it, but the other factors um, in that help you or us make the decision of where to go against that trend. Who's going to... Do an OBJ, a Julio, um, a Le'Veon Bell, unexpectedly according to the trend. If you see what I'm getting at here. So I think I, this rookie class, like, I want to be high, but I'm worried people are going to overreact, and I'm not going to get any of them for the <laughs> second year. Oh, and just one more thing I wanted to clarify, because, you know, occasionally we do get a new listener or a listener. Like, um, the thing about the second year breakouts, like, it's marginally statistic, percentage-wise, just a percentage marginally larger percentage of breakout wide receivers, those who went to the top 24 for at least two years, happen in the second year rather than the third year. And that's really happened over the last five uh, or six years. So the reason the third year breakout was such a big myth before that is because they were really close and maybe one year edged out to the third year and that's the year it was, it was taken from. So the third year is still a really good breakout year. If you've got any second year players right now that didn't break out, like, the third year is still almost just as likely. And just on that pure percentage basis, it's just... My main point was that since the second year is basically the same percentage chance of breaking out, like, you really have to buy after that first off season, And that's what you were talking about with Nikhil Harry. Like, 
you want something from the first year, and then you hope for that zigzag pattern to go upwards because <laughs> they were yeah. low. So you want to see some touchdowns. 400 yards is like one rough boundary I've got. But like a lot of bad players meet that, but most good players also meet that. So mm. anyway, sorry, I've been talking for a while. You talk. <laughs> no, it's, it, it is. It's, it's the, I, I think, I think what it boils down to is most of dynasty is pretty sharp. So a right. lot of the good players are going to be ranked highly. So what we're kind of looking at is going down into that range uh, below a highly ranked player. So into that, what are we talking, fifth, sixth, seventh round, something like that in a startup. Uh, and, and looking and trying to call players that we think are have a, a better than average chance of of making that hit, and and again, you you know you you talked about uh, the numbers and and the metrics and and I mean I, I always defer to people like you and and Josh Hermsmeyer and Jacob Rickroad and and uh, there are a whole bunch of people who are fantastic with numbers. Even even Kyle, uh, my co-host, is is really really good with numbers. He he does the cheat sheet and and so when I am. Uh, looking at players, are you going to get me to admit that I actually pay attention to numbers on here? I'm a film guy. I'm I don't gra- know. I've basically but- already gotten you to out yourself a zero RB and the tape doesn't matter. <laughs> I feel like I've got just wins on this one. I'm really... So, uh... <laughs> so, so when, when I am watching film and when I am evaluating players, I'm always uh, cognizant of what the the other half, the, the numbers crowd... Uh, is is putting out there for players that are likely to succeed because if I see something that in a, in a player and I turn around and and look and see that you have him as as a player who is likely to come into the NFL and produce then I, that's a that's a check mark for me and I'm excited about that if I have a player that uh, I like, and I turn around and see that you are, you know, set telling me Paris Campbell should be selling used cars in a year. Uh, then, then maybe I have to go back and look. It doesn't necessarily change what I saw, but it also gives me pause uh, and and at least makes me go back and reevaluate and say, okay, did I see what what I'm seeing, and and do I think he can produce? Uh, outside of this little kind of microcosm in in Ohio State, do I think he can translate to the NFL? The same thing where if I see you have a player high, I'm going to go look at that. And so I think that if you marry the two and then play that off ADP is really what we're talking about is is these these players that are likely to break out. And so if you look at ADP and you start to scroll down, uh, through ADP, and I think this is a valuable exercise now, uh, and I think it's also a valuable exercise once we get closer to the rookie draft because, man, this class is going to have some crazy hype, and there are going to be some rookies who push down some second and third year wide receivers 
you know that that's going right. to happen. I mean, you're already hearing people talk about uh, DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor, and you know all of these running backs that are coming out. You're hearing people talk about C.D. Lamb and and Lavisca Chenault and uh, Jerry Judy and all of these players. That's gonna that's actually going to push some value down uh, for some of these players that that we actually like and have liked for a year or two. And so that I think is is really where you're you're gonna start seeing this value and and again we we talked about that that kind of range that Sutton and Kirk and and uh, you know all of these players that that broke out or are in the process of breaking out DJ Moore and and uh, Calvin Ridley and and all of those players there you're gonna see another group of players. This year, going into the season, going into startup drafts, that are are going to be pushed down in that range by this rookie class, by the rookie fever, by like, and I'm just as guilty as everybody else. I love rookies; it's fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Sorry, you get to go. It. You know, it's it, look, it's the new toy. It's you know, you right. you open it up and you want, yeah, it's great. But but by the same token, I also like guys who score, and <laughs> and so I. Uh, you know, I've been collecting these 2020 rookie picks, but I'm also not so married to the 2020 class that if somebody says, "Hey, I will give you uh, Calvin Ridley for 2021," I'm not gonna. I'm gonna jump on that because I think Calvin Ridley is is a, a player that is poised to uh, again be productive and have a, a ceiling that's higher than what we've seen. And and there are, there are a bunch of those players. Right, and I, I just kind of developed a rule that anyone that tries to lead you by the hand with one is better than the other, talking about what you value in your research. Like, that's ridiculous. I mean, we have a lot of fun with it. I do, too. I have a lot of fun at Jake's expense because <laughs> I do think you lean on what's good for you, right? And that's fair. And I think they have well, advantages and disadvantages over everything. But all of it's information, and the idea you should use some over or first if for some reason. Like, like already you're starting off on a false concept there. But um, for, for generically, for everyone, for every player, like, it's just... I'm already <laughs> hearing a, a lot of hedging about the 2020 uh, class, though. And, like, I'm not... I'm sorry. I'm oh, not no, they're good. anyone off the cook on this one, because I'm really feeling something of a like we had jesse reeves on a few weeks on a few weeks ago and even he was like i'm willing to really say those generational talents in this class and like for two years i've heard at least four generational talents and now i'm hearing <laughs> maybe no generational talents and yeah, it's just the beginnings of it but there will be there will be hedging because obviously the risk is more apparent and more real they're no longer going to be liquid value so that makes sense it's not a bad process at all but like if there were no Saquon Barclays or Julios in this class, like I'm not gonna let that mo- motherfucker go. I'm sorry because I'm in here <laughs> way too much of that. Like buy second round picks for first round picks this year. Like, well, how's that AJ Brown pick looking right now? How's it going? So, so the this class is, and and I I've been kind of going through it with Kyle uh, piece by piece. So we did uh, three weeks ago, we did uh, the running backs, and then we did the wide receivers this past week. Uh, I try to get Kyle to pr- pronounce uh, Tongo Vailoa, and, and, <laughs> and he and he he wouldn't do it. But um, this class is 
you know, it, it may not have the the top end. You know, it doesn't have a Saquon. Like, I, I love DeAndre Swift. I think he is a great player. I think he does a lot of things that I like in a running back where he catches the ball well. He's he's very shifty. Uh, I, I think Jonathan Taylor is a, a, another guy who's a very, very good running back. I mean, there are, there are a lot of players in this class. Oh, yeah, because the, everyone isn't seeing fictions and fandoms, right? They're going right. to be good players. Like, that's very well, clear. And, and But there are just there are so many right now. It, that, right. I said that this class has such width. Like, it, it, it's, not even, it's not even depth because there are so many players who are just like, really really good and it's just this broad swath of i don't know five or six running backs and and four or five or six receivers that are just man they're really really good um can we call it girth because like that seems a little more naughty it's gonna go well with a high t like theme (laughs) like i like like, it's a girthy class i like it's a girthy (laughs) class that's it well i'll i will use that from now on (laughs) (laughs) didn't mean to change vocabulary just no i like it yahoo ula wider is better got a lot of girth (laughs) i like it um because of all my high t um (laughs) <laughs> I guess um, I could talk to you forever, Zach, and I think that's pretty clear. But um, <laughs> like the question, I kind of question. I think I'm going to try and get you out of here on to try and round off some of this talk, or at least come to some kind of solid purpose for me, because um, I think I got lost in all the interesting things we were talking about there. If there was a player you could have drafted this year, dynasty, don't care, P- pick your format that you wish you now had on your roster at the value he was to start this season? Like, who is your dream keeper? Who is your dream now new dynasty asset from this year's ADP? I don't even think it's, I don't even think it's a tough one because I think it's Lamar Jackson. I, I think... You're going quarterback I think pe- on me. Wow. I know, and I, I know. But I, I think that people were so down on Lamar Jackson because he got outrun uh, last year by Josh Allen in the last whatever it was five or six games that they played uh he he wasn't allowed to throw at all and and you had all of the talking heads who didn't actually watch football don't actually look at numbers but they just are on the big network saying uh you know Lamar Jackson should be a running back or Lamar Jackson should be a wide receiver that people were so down aside from Sam Lane, aside from Stompy, people I was gonna were say so... the only thing you needed to do to get Lamar Jackson was listen to any tweet Stompy yeah. has put out in the last six months and you would have been yeah. like, Okay, I'll take him there wherever he fell and uh, it, you'd be laughing right now. It was really funny because we like Kyle and I had this conversation about Lamar Jackson last year and I said, Go back and listen to the our twenty seventeen draft show and we don't do much for quarterbacks but we did like a half a show. We did like a quarterback tight end show. And I had Lamar Jackson as my quarterback one, even though I didn't have him uh, rated as my highest quarterback because of this exact thing, because he is or had the potential. And now you're seeing it had the potential to be Michael Vick with his legs but a more accurate passer. Like, he's actually really good in the pocket. And he was in college his last year. He started reading progressions. He started picking apart zones. He started, instead of uh, having his first move be run out of the pocket, it was climb the pocket and make that second read and, and, and hit that, uh, that crossing route in a progression. And you're seeing him do that 
And you're also seeing them run this this RPO, like the read option with him that makes, I mean, it gave Bill Belichick fits. And if you're right. giving Bill Belichick fits, then you're doing something right. I mean, you're making Adam Gase's eyes tonight go six different directions at once. You don't need to know much of that. <laughs> um, but, no, um, I agree with you. I will point out some of what, uh, again, Jacob Rick wrote. I seem to bring up every show because he's another must-follow, must-listen to, uh, for me at least. Um, he pointed out that Lamar Jackson is an incredible outlier to have this progression. Like, it's not to downplay him. It's, in fact, to increase his laurel, right? Like, this is phenomenal from Lamar Jackson. There is, Like, he could fade to nothingness, which he will not, forever. And what he's done is absolutely incredible. The, the, the improvement, and yes, he's rushing a lot, but the improvement in passing combined, like you were saying, with the scheme that the teams build around him, like, this is, this is amazing on every level. Now, the similar argument was made for Josh Allen, and that's kind of where I was able to fall onto Lamar Jackson, luckily in a few leagues, because I, I liked everything Stompy was saying. But it was like it was really hard to say that that trend was going to be broken, and um, to put it back into our other conversation. But like he was worlds away closer to be able to doing that, and Josh Allen's doing well for fantasy right now. Right. has done the season so I'm not taking I don't mean to take I want all these players to be great I want more great players on my teams damn it bringing it back around why do you want Lamar Jackson on your team though are you keeping him holding him or selling I, I him is that why you want him the value or because you plan to play him next year so it, it's it, again it, now it depends on my league mates it depends on what I can get for him if if I mean if you were sitting here uh, beginning of of this season and you had Patrick Mahomes uh, that you got at the beginning of last season, and you traded him for what you could get for Patrick Mahomes. So let's say uh, you could end up with somebody who is a top 10 quarterback, which is fine, plus picks or uh, other productive players. Say you say you could have ended up with, for, for Patrick Mahomes, you could have... Uh, what Russell Wilson and Christian Kirk or Russell Wilson and DJ Moore, if you'd Whoa. done that, which you, you could have last year. Mm, well, you don't yeah, think so? I mean, anything's possible. Not for, uh, look, I'm not going to pull the not from me shit, but um, Pat, not Patrick from me. Mahomes <laughs> broke the NFL last year. He threw what? 50 some odd touchdowns, 56 touchdowns. It was something stupid. And he ran. And everybody was talking about how Patrick Mahomes is going to be the outlier of outliers and is going to be the quarterback savior. And and to be fair, he, he kind of is. He is. That's he fine. He did but, thing. And but no, no, if you this th- one, I mean, it's like I have him in the leagues. I got him in mostly still the things. No one was willing to like go up there. I mean, it can happen. Definitely you do it at that point. Let me make it a little even instead of, you know, talking about how much I love DJ Moore. Um, or Christian <laughs> Kirk for that matter. Like... Patrick Mahomes for a single solitary first round pick last year, I would have thought was a decent trade just because of the, in a single quarterback league. And that would have been a fairly easy get, I think, in most leagues from someone. Does that seem yeah, fair? I think you're right. Yeah. So do you trade Lamar Jackson for a single solitary first round pick? In a in a single quarterback league, if it's a high one, yeah, why not? Because you can there you, you can find quarterbacks. Look, I, I got Lamar Jackson in, in a in a single quarterback league in the middle of the second round. Uh, in the rookie draft that he was in. I also uh, picked up Dak Prescott in a preseason when he was in the middle of replacing Tony Romo. So it's not quarterbacks in a single quarterback league. 
you can find quarterbacks. Just going to draft the next Gardner Minshew, right? I mean, yeah. Well, well, no. I, mean, I don't even think you need to draft Gardner Minshew because every year quarterbacks are going to be going in the second round, third round. I mean, you can, you could have had Kyler Murray in in the probably early second uh, in a in a single quarterback league. Why not do that? You know, why not if you if you don't have uh, if you don't have a starter, maybe you're not doing that. But, but if you like, if you've got Lamar Jackson and you can trade Lamar Jackson, get a first round pick, still get a quarterback in the second round of a single quarterback league, I don't think you're any worse off. And and I think that you end up getting more value for the the quote unquote skill positions, the running back and and wide receivers. Although in rookie drafts, I still want to draft running backs because I think they have more value quicker. And they also have trade value once they attain that value, and and you can get these wide receivers who don't break out till their second or third year for these running backs that you've used for a year. They've they've you know increased the, and and you know gained all this value. You can turn around and trade them for a receiver that you would have drafted at a similar position in their same draft. Plus. And and so that I mean I, I guess that's just kind of how I I approach things is I, I try to uh, mine value at positions that other people feel are more valuable than what I think they really are uh, at the point where they're the most valuable. So yeah, that's the thing. I think this is a really smart dynasty answer. Like um, you've got all the value, and if you can't get it out of him, huh, you still got Lamar Jackson. <laughs> so right. like that's great. So I, I want I want a dumber answer. <laughs> and, uh, um, so let's take value out of it. Like, who's the player you want on your squad at this year's ADP, hmm. and you're not allowed to trade them? Like, you just want them on your squad um, at that cheaper cost than they are right now. So right now, DLF ADP. So we're going November. Oh, uh, you can get technical on it if you want. Sure. It's interesting <laughs> that there's no one else like straight off the head. Like, there's no well, obviously Oda Beckham. Like, would have been one from 2014 or so. You know what I mean? It, but, it, yeah, it's, it's such a... This is such a weird landscape uh, of, you know... Bec- I, I think it's because the dynasty players are becoming smarter. And, and, right, and right. So you do have to make, look for every tiny little edge. It, it, right? it, it makes our it makes our job a, a lot harder. But it's it's going to end up being one of these wide receivers. It's probably DJ Moore, but it's going to be one of these wide receivers that are uh, that are sitting right around the the thirty range. So so you're talking somewhere close to that two three turn. So DJ Moore's at thirty four. I think I like him better than Ridley. Cortland Sutton's back at forty one, but He's it's, gonna go it's up, going though, to, right? Yeah, but it's going to be one of those guys that yeah. that are going to gain value, and probably DJ Moore because you're seeing him sit in in the top twelve right now of of wide receivers, and people are going to get smart. Right. Uh, and, and so I think I so think it's, it's probably more of a Sutton for you, more of a Sutton, more of a definitely Kirk, more of a AJ Brown, that kind of thing. It is, and it and it goes back. So that goes back to the way. I like to construct my roster because I think that you're going to see DJ Moore uh, and a Christian Kirk and a Calvin Ridley see more targets than uh, some of these other guys. So, so Cortland Sutton, I love Cortland Sutton, but he's a lot more touchdown dependent than somebody like a DJ Moore, somebody like a Christian Kirk. 
because they're going to see more targets. I, I'm a Jarvis Landry guy. I love that type of player. I want the receptions to be the bulk of, of the points because I think you can rely on those receptions to be there year to year more than you can rely. It's the Mike Evans corollary. Like Mike Evans needs those, the, the big volume and the, and the touchdowns to, to be the wide receiver one. Chris Godwin needs those targets. It's, that's, that's, exact, like, that's what I'm looking for. It doesn't make him a better player, but it makes him a better fit for what I want to do. I almost want to pl- keep playing the game. Like, how many? How do we have to ask the question to get you to say a tight end? Like, uh, how can we prod this? Um, um, yeah. Uh, is there anything you want to talk about or get out there or mention from the Dynasty Dummies? No, that's just, that's that's good. We uh, it's it, the the Dummy Funhouse Podcast Network, the DFPN Network, uh, and and we've got a whole bunch of shows over there now. Probably first and foremost, uh, I know at least when it comes up on my feed, it's the first thing I listen to is, is J. Mike and the Dummy Blitz, and then the rest of us are kind of second fiddle. But uh, but we've got a, a great crew over there now. We've got uh, Kevin Cotillo, Sal Lido, Stephen Marcus, uh, Matt Foreman, and Riley Bymaster to add to J. Mike and, and Kyle and myself. Uh, so a whole bunch of shows, a whole bunch of uh, different kind of types of shows we're having a lot of fun uh and so that's I, I i think that's that's all i can i can plug it's really about the the other guys at the at the at work uh it, it's it's not really about me it's it's we have some some fantastic shows that you shouldn't miss i absolutely 100 percent agree and i hate that as as everyone <laughs> knows i hate i really hate agreeing with you guys um but yeah and again i want to thank you for coming on um it's always great to talk to you um, it's, it's a lot of fun. Also, I always feel like I learn a little bit, so that's cool. Um, especially your <laughs> trademark Andrews for Jason Witten take. That was an interesting <laughs> one. Um, I'm not sure I'm going along with it, but we'll put it out there. See, see if people agree. Um, <laughs> um, no, seriously, thank you, Zach, and thanks everyone for checking out the Crossroads again. If you did, if you didn't, you can't hear me, so just know I'm calling you names. Um, <laughs> thanks again, and we'll see you next week. You're at the dynasty crossroads that filming